let's uh, let's kick up. Alright. You can groove along a little bit. Tomorrow's Christmas. Yeah. Is anyone excited a little bit? Kids? Big kids? Helen's a big kid. She's excited. Helen, what's your favourite Christmas food? Because I asked the kids down here and I got nothing. And then I got ham out of mum. Ham's good. Glazed ham. Glazed ham, then. There you go. You're on the right track. That's it. Okay, really good. And you bake it in the oven and stuff. What about what about you guys? Do you have a favourite Christmas dish that you like? Roast veggies. Roast veggies. You know what? You can't be a good roast spud. I'm just gonna say roast potato. You got duck fat or that trifle. Jacqueline's not here, but she makes a good trifle. Anyone else? What else do you like? Tim, what's your favourite? That meat we usually have that mum. The meat at my mum's. That we usually eat on Christmas Day. Okay. I think it's the ham. That's the ham. Okay. He likes the ham as well. That's, a, that's not in my notes. I just thought random question about about what we uh, what we like to eat. So everyone say good things. We're going to land this this morning and bring it to a close. We've been talking uh, the last few messages about good things at Christmas and the the different take on the Christmas story and what we can draw out of it. And what we've been drawing out of it is this. Firstly, that God has a plan. And uh, before Jesus came to the earth, there was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and even thousands of years where God had made this promise that someone was going to come and, and, and do what Jesus did. But can you imagine living in the time before Jesus where oh, you've got no evidence of that? There's no Messiah yet. You're just holding on to the fact that God has a plan. And what we drew out of that for us is that we may not see the completion of God's plan in our life, whatever it is you're believing for, whatever it is you believe God's leading you to. It might not have happened yet, but that doesn't change the fact that God has a plan. And it's about having faith on that journey, trusting that God's plan will come to pass in my life. So God has a plan. And then we learn in Clifton, if you came or if you've watched it online, that Jesus completes God's plan. See, there's, there's no completion of God's plan without the cross. And Christ dying on the cross for us, and God and God raising him from the dead, conquering sin and death, so that he could complete God's plan in our life. So Jesus, you can't have Christmas without Christ. Who was that? I was talking about Ross beforehand. It's our job to keep the Christ in Christmas. Not to let all the marketing and Santa and all of those things dominate the season, but that Christ would fill Christmas and the message of Christ. And so that's where we really are like bearers, isn't it? Where we've got that that good news inside of us of what Jesus has done for us. And we get the opportunity to share that Christ completes God's plan. And then, and then last week we learned about Jesus bringing joy and, and how even in the midst of sadness, you can find the joy in the presence of the Lord. We talked about happiness and joy. And some people maybe mix them or think they're similar. But see, happiness relies on how you feel, whereas joy relies on what you believe. And so you can have joy in the midst of the most challenging, difficult times, but your happiness will, will drop away because it's based on how you feel. And so important to remember that, that uh, Jesus brings joy. Well, by now, let's go to the next one there. We're, we're going to do a little sing-along because it's Christmas, so we've sung already. But, but I actually came prepared because we need a band. So can I have our band, um, Anita, yeah. our band yeah. utensils? Uh, who considers themselves quite musical? I'm going to Nobody wants to volunteer. Right, Timmy, you come up and drum for me. Here's your drum. So you hold that. 
I need someone on the on the who who feels that they have the anointing, the spiritual anointing to be a timbrel dancing. We've got two timbrels. I saw your hand. So you don't actually you yeah, come up here. I wasn't gonna embarrass people. Let's embarrass people. That's all we come up here. That's good. Okay, Joe's up for some timbrel action. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We want I mean spiritual timbrel, you know, really. I should have tied ribbons on them. Anyway, uh, the, 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 the canasters. Come on, who's going to do the canasters? Um, your daughter is pointing to you, so you have to come. Good work, Alison. Come up and do some canastery. And, uh... Okay. And what else have we got? Anyone? Sorry, yeah, we, we couldn't find a second one. Um, recorder. Parents' favourite instrument. Um, yeah, yeah. Does it work? I don't want to put my mouth down because I don't want to, I don't want to contaminate it. Do you like recording? Do you like recording? No. I need someone. I'm going to volunteer someone in a minute. Yeah, let's go. If you don't like recording, there's harmonica. If you like harmonica? You can't do two at once. Right, Jeremy, you come and play recorder. Melody, you come and play the harmonica. We've got two left. Okay, what, what's that? Oh, oh, that's like one of those party. <laughs> Who wants to blow a party pop, I think? Okay, Lily wants to come up with that. And then the last one is like a... Oh, I thought the fire alarm was going on. <laughs> the back arena. Who's going to do that? Someone has to come and do this. Alright, come on up. Come on up. Okay. Now what we're going to do, somehow... Anita's going to be the clicker. Alright, so let me tell you what we're going to play. You can click onto the next screen. I'll put this down. This is chaos. It's not organized. Alright, I'm going to pretend I can play piano a little bit. Right, so key of E, everybody. Can we all just test our instruments? Alright, we're in key, that's good. I just click to the next one. So, so this is what we're going to And you're, you're all the choir of angels out there, okay? So you have to sing with us. Ready? And you all have to play along. Ready? Oh 
so many Christmas carols, you're probably singing them in your sleep, would that be getting close? Okay. And we're getting ready to celebrate the birth of Jesus, so I thought it would just be fun to just do that, just cause. There was really no spiritual significance other than for us to have a little bit of fun. So, there we go. Good things, everyone say good things. So, those lyrics really do paint a, an interesting picture though, don't they? I mean, we refer to it every year, the smelly sheep carol. She wiggles in her seat. The sheep are smelly. Yes, they are smelly. Uh, but there's no bed. There's donkey poo everywhere. There's a newborn baby. There's a brand new mother hanging out in some itchy straw. On hard ground. I mean, this sounds exciting, doesn't it? Uh, I guess that's one way for Jesus to make an entrance, and it's the way God intended. But have you ever wondered what it must have been like for Mary in that stable? The mums are like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Think of the stench she put up with, the smell. Think of the smelly animal cave. It wasn't the first sacrifice Mary would make either, and nor would it be the last. You know, sacrifice, it's not something we talk a lot about at Christmas, but instead we think about perhaps what we want or what we want to give to others. or We, we don't necessarily think about sacrifice, but what if this Christmas we asked ourselves some new questions? Maybe some questions like, what have other people given up for me this Christmas? Was, what was, what's God given up for me? What can I give in return? And what does it matter if I do? There's some really good questions to ponder. And, and as we ponder those, you know, Christmas comes, I guess, with obligations for everyone, depending on what your circumstances are and what your Christmas traditions are. And some of these obligations we choose and some are chosen for us, praise the Lord. Maybe buying a gift for workmates to be part of the gift, you know, handing out at work or, you know, that's awesome. Or maybe it's going to a family member's cringy Christmas play, like it might be a toddler and you've got to go along and it's just so bad that you're there going, yeah, you're doing so great. <laughs> maybe that's not so awesome, I don't know. But what I want to ask is a bit of a poll. I'm going to get a bit of a response by hand. What are some sacrifices you've had to make at Christmas, and do any of these sound familiar? I haven't got an exhaustive list by any means, but have you ever had to help hang Christmas lights until you felt like your arms were going to drop off? Yes, so I have a witness. Yes, there's another. Don't be shy. Put your hands around and get see. Uh, what about um, have you ever not seen your friends at Christmas because you've got family obligations? Yeah, there's a few. There's a few. Steve, I feel your pain, brother. You've had your hand up twice already. Did you ever have to sit next to your weird Uncle Eddie at Christmas dinner? Now, his name may not be Eddie, but it's someone, a weird family member at Christmas, and you're like, really? How did I get this seat? There's a few hands, kind of. What's you waiting up for, Tim? Do you have to sit next to me? What? I feel a bit ripped off. Anyway. No Christmas presents for you, I'm taking it. Have you ever had to eat Aunt Edna? Again, it's not Aunt Edna, it's Aunt someone. Uh, their dodgy Christmas trifle. And 
You're stuck at home with the feral tribe going nuts because they've had too much sugar already. When did you put your hand? You're uh, you can she'll deal with you later. Here's the last one. Have you ever spent maybe a ton of savings on Christmas gifts for people and you're like, oh in the aftermath you're like, should I have really done that? <laughs> Let's pray for Steve Ronnie. I'll reach your hands out. For <laughs> causing marriage disputes in church. Amen. Anyway, it's all good. Look, we all make the um, occasional sacrifice at Christmas time in whatever way. So as we take a look at a few more events that we're going to do today that led to the very first Christmas, I want you to think about the discomfort and hesitation that you sometimes feel, Steve more than others, uh, when, you, when you're being asked to be, oh, maybe you too, Tim, maybe you too. Think about the discomfort and hesitation you sometimes feel when you've been asked to be inconvenienced. So, the full story of Christmas can be found twice in the Bible. Once in the Gospel of Matthew and once in the Gospel of Luke. Well, today I'm going to look at Luke uh, and his version of the story. I'll tell you why. Uh, Luke tells the story of Jesus from a different perspective uh, than the other Gospel writers because uh, he wasn't Jewish. He was actually... Uh, unlike Jesus and the disciples, Luke was a Gentile. Uh, it's just a Jewish way of saying not Jewish, I guess. Uh, but he, he wasn't, so he has a different perspective because of that. So while some of the other authors of the New Testament wrote mostly with a Jewish audience in mind, Luke wrote his book with everyone in mind. Everybody. Jew, Gentile, religious, non-religious. Luke actually risked his reputation and social status with his Gentile, non-Jewish family and friends to follow the way of a radical rabbi named Jesus. So it was a bit different for him. Luke knew God's plan for humanity included every single person. No matter what their ethnicity was, no matter what their religious background is, uh, he wanted everyone to know that Jesus was good news for them too, not just for the Jews. And especially people who weren't usually, I guess, prioritised by the religious leaders at the time. They prioritised the Jewish people. So maybe that's why Luke wrote down the stories of more women than any other gospel writer, maybe. Women were often overlooked in society at that time. That was the culture of the day. But Luke seems to have noticed the way that Jesus always elevated and honoured women. You know, one of the women whose story uh, that Luke told is Mary, the mother of Jesus. And when we meet her, she's an unmarried young woman. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 1, uh, verses 26 to 38. So strap in, it's a bit of uh, reading. But it says this. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favoured one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. In other words, translated 21st century, what the? What was that that I just heard? Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. 
And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Well, then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. Can you imagine, and again, it might just be the mothers, but can you imagine being in Mary's shoes? That angel gave her a lot to process in that spiel. At first, Mary was really troubled, which makes sense. This was a major upset to the plans that they had. It was an inconvenience. It wasn't part of their plan. Then she was confused. How is this even possible? I haven't been with a man. So I don't understand how this is happening. But in the end, she goes, okay. She was ready to be part of God's plan for the world, even if it meant making some sacrifices. That's a lot of shift in one little paragraph, isn't it? I'm going to keep reading from Luke chapter 1 now, verses 46 to 50. Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Saviour. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, and he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. So in, um, in Mary's song, it's really a song that she's sung has been recorded, we see she had a hope that God's love would one day win over all the evil and broken things. When she saw that promise being fulfilled, she was full of joy that she had a role in making God's plan finally happen. And Mary expressed a lot of joy, but that doesn't mean she wasn't making a big sacrifice. You know, Mary was a real teenage girl, having a real baby, without having really been with a man boggles your mind. I mean, we can read it and just gloss over it because we've heard the story so many times. But just stop and think about that just for a moment. How does a teenager who hasn't been with a man, who shouldn't have been with a man because of the law of the day, she could get stoned and killed. How does she go to her parents and explain that? How does she go to her tribe and her community and explain that? You know, she's going to experience a real pregnancy with all the discomfort and labour pains that came with it in a stinky stable, no less. And she didn't even get the joy, oh, but I don't want to gross kids out, but when you're married, and, you know, it's, 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 it's cool. And, and she missed out on that. Parents know where I'm going with that. 
She would have to deal with the judgment of the community and assumptions from people. They're going to be looking at her, oh, she did the wrong thing. But Mary trusted God and had good things in store. Even if she had to make some sacrifices in the meantime, she was hanging on to the fact that she knows God has a good plan and I'm going to trust that plan. You know, Romans 12 verse 1 says it well. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Isn't that not what Mary chose to do? I will present my body. Whatever you need to use me for, Lord, here I am. Uh, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. I know what you might be thinking. Is God asking for me to sacrifice my body today? In the same way that Mary did. Praise the Lord that it's not all the same for everybody. God has different plans for all of us. But don't worry, here's uh, what Paul is trying to explain in that scripture. Because Jesus sacrificed himself for our sins once and for all, we no longer we no longer need to make religious sacrifices in order to be loved by God. We try to because our human nature is, I've got to earn. I've got to do something to earn God's love. I've got to do something to earn his favour, his forgiveness, his grace. Whereas surely I must do because our society, we earn. We earn a wage. We earn favour with friends. We earn because we're nice to them. We earn, that's, that's our mentality. But with God, we don't have to make those sacrifices anymore because he first loved us before anything. So we're already loved just the way we are. But if we're going to make any sacrifices to God, God invites us to sacrifice ourselves. To give ourselves to God, just like Jesus gave himself fully for us. That's what he asks for. Just give me your heart. Give me who you are, everything that you are, and worship me. When you think about it, you start to realise that Christmas really is all about sacrifice. You know, the very first Christmas would never have happened without Mary's sacrifice. What if she turned to the angel and just went, nah, tap out. <laughs> I'm not doing that. I'm too afraid of the consequences. Oh, I can't be involved in that. Now, God would have found someone else, but he knew that the Holy Spirit upon Mary would play out the way it did because he's God. You know, because of her love for and trust in God, she gave up her own plans in order to say yes to God's plan. And because of Mary's sacrifice, Jesus was born. You know, on the very first Christmas, another sacrifice happened as well. By coming to earth as Jesus, God was making a sacrifice too. Jesus, who is God himself, chose to give up his heavenly existence. Like, you know how we're all pumped about being in heaven one day, you know, that whether we're raptured, whether we pass on in this life and go to be with the Lord. Who's excited about that? Of course, naturally, every Christian should be, you know, we love our time here, but man, can't wait to be with, with Jesus. Well, Jesus was there. And he came here. That's a big sacrifice. He gave up his heavenly existence in order to experience an earthly life like what we lead. And he always knew that it would end in death and suffering. So, you know, I'd imagine God the Father going to God the Son one day. Um, hey, Son, uh, you're my plan for mankind. And I'm going to send you to the earth away from all of this beauty into that putrid, sinful place. And, um, and it's going to end down there with you dying. Jesus would be like, woo, you know, if it was us, we were like, woo, can't wait to do that, how exciting. It was a massive thing, what God the Son, Jesus, did for us and what he sacrificed. 
Then 30-ish years after that first Christmas when Jesus was born, Jesus sacrifices himself. We know the story. He gave up everything, eventually even his life, for you, for me, so God's plan could be completed. We've talked about that already. And now today, God is inviting you and me to consider how we can make a sacrifice in order to be part of God's plans too. God's plans for us and for the world are always good. We say it in church all the time, God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. His plans for us are good. But just like Mary, Jesus and so many have gone before us, they've discovered that God's plan requires sacrifice. If you want to live out the plan of God for your life, it's going to require giving of something. Maybe it's your time. Maybe it's your finance. Maybe it's doing something you just really don't want to do, but you know God's telling you to do it. Who's been there? That internal war between your, your, your flesh and the spirit. And God's saying, I want you to do this. You're like, oh, but that person, I just can't stand it. And God just taps on your heart. And it's up to us whether we choose to surrender to fulfill God's plan in and through our life to do what he's calling us to do. God's plans require sacrifice. You know, I'm glad that 10 years ago now, we made a sacrifice. And... Uh, we were on the Sunshine Coast, living the dream, the beach, the lifestyle, all of that. And God turned our world upside down and put us in a position where he put in our hearts to become pastors. And we're like, well, we applied to be pastors in the church we were in. And long story short, that didn't happen. It wasn't God's will. And, uh, and then we were presented with the opportunity here. The 1st December in uh, 2012, first Sunday in December. We came down here and we preached on this platform to people we had didn't know anybody. <laughs> they didn't know us. We weren't sure if they were going to like us or whatever. It was, it was challenging, but we did it. And we met with the board for lunch after church on the Sunday. And on Monday, they rang us and offered the position of pastors here at the church. And we had a choice to make. We just, well, you were pregnant with Timothy. So you, we were due in February of the following year. Uh, all our family was at the coast, all the friends, the church, the connections, the support was there. But we drove through this place when we preached here and, and, we, and we just fell in love with the community. And so we made a sacrifice. We chose to give birth to our son and then move here, away from all the support, all the, all the comforts, all the people that are there for us and come here. Now, I don't want to uh, downplay what this church did. They were so supportive of us in that season and helped us and were a blessing and received us and, and liked us and loved on us and hopefully still like us and love us now. I haven't heard any rumours yet, but we're, we're here for 10 years now. And all because we made a sacrifice to leave comfort and support network and move here because we knew God was calling us to this place. Like, I don't know what kind of sacrifices God might be inviting you to make. That's just our story and that's just one of there's so many things that God asks us to do at different times when it comes to sacrifice, but maybe it's a sacrifice between you and God. Maybe you're being asked to give up on a bad habit, or maybe a pattern of behavior, or a sin that's holding you back from experiencing all the good things that God has for you. Maybe that's what God is looking for when it comes to sacrifice in your life. Maybe it's a sacrifice God is asking you to make for others. You know, maybe there's someone who could really benefit from something you have the power to give them. 
maybe part of God's good plan, good plans for you, uh, involves this sacrifice that you're being asked to make, to, to give of something of yourself, something you have, or a skill you have, or time, or whatever it is. But I just hope today and through this whole Christmas series that I've been sharing over December, that we've learned to see the Christmas story in a new way. It's not just an old story that we repeat every year. You go and watch the, those of you that have kiddie aged kids or grandkids and you watch the nativity thing. It's just not just about that. It's actually a reflection of God's plans which began at the beginning of time and are still in motion today. You know, Christmas reminds us that God has a plan. God has a plan to restore everything that was broken by sin and death. He has a plan. Jesus completes that plan. He completes God's plan through his birth, life, death, and resurrection. And so that's why we, you can't take the Christ out of Christmas. That's why we celebrate Jesus at Christmas time and, and every time, because he's worthy, because of what he's done. And then Jesus brings joy. You know, Jesus brings joy. He did it when he first arrived on earth, and he continues to bring joy right now to everyone who knows and loves him. And lastly, uh, God's plan requires sacrifice. So just stand with me in God's presence. Jeremy, would you come? I'm going to bring it to a close. I just want to pray for everybody that's online, everybody here, that you would just find that sense of what is God asking me to do with this? This amazing good news, this story of Christ coming at Christmas, being born into this world, this sinful world, giving up his place in heaven, coming here to sacrifice his life ultimately for you, for all of us. I want us to be asking the right questions. And the question is, what can I do with that information? Who can I share it with this Christmas? Who's the awkward uncle I'm going to sit next to for lunch that I could perhaps just share a good testimony with? So just open up your hearts before God right now. You might lift your hands. You might put them in front of you to receive something, whatever is comfortable for you. But just be ready to receive something. I believe the Holy Spirit is going to impart something into your spirit today that's going to affect your next couple of days. What you say, who you encounter, and how it unfolds. So, Heavenly Father, I just thank you that your plans for us are for good. And Lord, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice, online or in the room, Father God, that you would just touch our hearts, Lord, that we wouldn't just go through the motions this Christmas, after another Christmas, lots of food, presents, and whatever your traditions are. But Lord, that we would just have the sense to stop and take time and to hear your voice and to be led by you, that we could be light bearers this Christmas, that we could actually change the trajectory of someone's life because we took the time to stop and listen to your voice and allow you to lead us and guide us and to share Christ this Christmas. So I pray, give us boldness, give us wisdom and give us opportunity to shine your light this Christmas. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Amen. If you're in the room, and I mean, I know most people, but I still do this for the sake of you never know who's listening online. But maybe you need to surrender your life to Jesus this morning. Maybe you need to receive that light so that you can be that light bearer as well and share the good news. Sacrifice something from your life so that others can come to know 
Christ in a powerful way this Christmas. So if you need Jesus, if you're far away from him, if you need him to touch your heart, today is your day. And I just ask for you to lift your hand right where you are. I'm going to pray for you. If you're at home, in your living room, wherever you are, just acknowledge God. It's, it's the response of your heart today. And so Father God, I pray for every single person, whether they're close to you or far from you, Father, that this Christmas we would all draw so very close that we would accept you as our Lord, accept you as our Saviour, that we would choose to live a life that's pleasing to you as we lay aside every weight, every distraction, everything that drags us down. Father God, I pray that we would draw close to you, declare that you are our Lord, believe that you are risen from the dead so that we can be saved. So Father, I commit every person to you. Lord, that you would lead us and guide us this Christmas. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.